Did you tune in last week? I hope so. We heard the author of Breaking the Gas Ceiling read an excerpt showcasing a female offshore engineer in the women offshore community. Today, you and I are going to learn even more about Rebecca and how she is continuing to raise the profile for women in energy beyond her book, Breaking the Gas Ceiling. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Back in 2017, I was looking online for resources to support women on the water. There were very few resources that I found. I did happen across a website. It was all about an upcoming book called Breaking the Gas Ceiling, written by Rebecca Ponton. She is an American journalist, and her work has appeared both in the United States and in international publications. She's also a petroleum landman, and she obtained her certification through the University of Texas Petroleum Extension. Her latest adventure is being the editor-in-chief of Oil Woman magazine. And the most recent issue of the magazine is it all about women who work offshore or have had offshore experiences. Ever since Rebecca and I connected over four years ago, we have stayed in touch. And I've admired how she continues to support and promote women in the energy industry. Welcome, Rebecca. Welcome to the Women Offshore podcast. Thanks, Allie. I'm really excited to be here, and I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here, too. And I want to start out by asking you, what inspired you to write about women who work offshore? Well, it happened in kind of a funny way, because that's not the book I originally intended to write. I've been a journalist for a long time, and about 10 years ago, I became a petroleum landman. So as a journalist, you immediately say, well, where is the book about this? And I couldn't find one. And so I started looking around. I thought, I know there are women in the oil and gas industry and I want to read about them. So I didn't find too much out there. There are a couple of things and there are more now than there were 10 years ago. But originally my idea was to do an overview of women in the oil and gas industry. And then I happened across a story uh, about a woman named Pat Thompson, who was in her 70s and still working offshore. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so I, you know, I wanted to know more about her because I thought that sounded pretty incredible. And I thought, you know, what kind of job would someone do? What kind of career would they have that they would want to keep working past retirement age? I mean, I understand that not everybody wants to retire at a certain age, but you know, this was a little bit more unusual of a, a 70 some year old woman working offshore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I kept reading about Pat. And then, you know, as you do, I just went down that internet rabbit hole and started looking for more women who worked offshore. And then I just found these incredible stories. And instead of making offshore one chapter in the book, I said, this really needs to be its own book. I love it. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> so that's what ended up happening. And eventually that became breaking the gas ceiling. So yeah, in this book, you have women from all over the globe. Did you have difficulty tracking these women down to, to write their stories? What was that like? 
A little bit. Originally, of course, I I found some women, you know, right away. And then I did get about halfway through the book and I realized that I had all white Western women in the book. And of course, offshore is a microcosm of the oil and gas industry as a whole. And so that made sense in a way, you know, but it wasn't the book I wanted to write. And so I said, there have to be other women involved in the offshore industry. And their stories were a little bit more difficult to find. But in the end, out of the, I think it's 23 stories, I did end up with, first of all, I ended up with women from all over the world, which is what I wanted because, of course, the oil and gas industry is a global industry. So it's not limited to where I live or where you live or the U.S. And I also, you know, wanted a broad range of women. I wanted diversity, not only in race and ethnicity, but in jobs and, you know, ages and things like that and positions. So in the end, I was really happy with the way it turned out with women from, you know, the U.S., the U.K., Australia, various parts of Africa, different countries in Africa, and they range from young women to some of the very first women to work offshore. But I did try to find women who were the first at whatever they were doing. You know, They weren't all the first to work offshore, but some of them might have been the first woman you know, in a certain position or whatever. So, you know, even even after I got toward the end of the book, I kept finding women and I thought, uh-oh, maybe there's going to need to be a volume two. Yeah, you could probably write several books. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's you great. Out, you start out thinking these women are hard to find because they are such a small part of the industry. As you know, women make up, and it depends on what what study you look at and, and what criteria is used, but anywhere from 15 to 22% of the oil and gas industry you know, is the percentage of women in the workforce, but the women who work offshore make up three and a half percent. And that number hasn't changed over the years. Yeah. I would like to think it will change eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully that's what we're working toward. (laughs) What were some of the commonalities you saw in women who have successful careers offshore? You studied women all over the globe. Were there any, maybe a trait where it's you need that trait to have a successful career? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a writer, you worry, especially when you're doing something like this that is so many stories, you worry that you're going to kind of tell the same story over again or repeat yourself or write it in the same way. But I found that these stories really wrote themselves. And But even though there were differences, like you said, there were those commonalities. And I found out for these women to work offshore and to have successful careers, you know, they did have to have a lot of the same character traits, like just a real sense of determination because they faced a lot of obstacles. You know, they had to be very tenacious. There might've been doubt, you know, from their families, maybe doubts from their instructors at school. And some of them even had self-doubts, but there was also that determination. There was a a willingness to persevere. You know, once they had decided this is what they wanted to do, they were all very persistent in achieving their goal, whatever that may have been. And then to me, one of the most interesting things that I found aside from those 
personal character traits, you know, things they found within themselves was the fact that almost every single one of them had supportive fathers or male mentors or both. And so that played a huge role in them overcoming the barriers they faced, being willing to, you know, persevere when, when things were tough and to be resilient and just keep going. And so I think, you know, the larger message there is that really underscores the importance of men in this industry supporting women and supporting that diversity and, you know, can't stress enough that we need those allies and and advocates and, you know, that can take the form of a mentor or a sponsor. And, you know, that extends all the way from new hires to the boardroom where there's also a severe lack of women in the, in the energy industry. Oh, absolutely. Such great points. And it's something I've thought a lot about lately about how women are often tasked with fixing the gender gap and fixing issues in the industry. And we can't do it alone when we only make up about 3% or, yeah, we need men to open doors and be advocates and mentors. And yeah, that's a very, yeah, very valid point. And, you know, it's been proven that diversity is good for our industry, obviously, but any industry, it improves the bottom line. And, you know, when you have diversity of thought and experiences and all those other things, you're much more creative and innovative as a company. So I really don't see how anybody could argue against it. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Yes. (laughs) People try, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I have to ask you something. When you were writing this book, did you ever think, oh, I wish I worked offshore? <laughs> <laughs> no. <I did> not. <laughs> no. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas, which is on the coast. And when we were kids, my brothers and I, I have four brothers, and we would swim so far out that our parents looked like tiny little dots on the beach. But then I saw Jaws when I was about, oh, I don't know, 15. So that ruined it for me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I am a big chicken. I am not nearly as adventurous as you women. I, I so admire you. I so admire all the men and women who work offshore for a variety of reasons, but just the fact that they can even get get out there and do it, that they can pass the training, you know, and then work offshore. And I like to joke that, you know, in the book, there are women that have different positions, like I said. And so, you know, there's a helicopter pilot who who takes the cruise offshore. And then there was also a woman who was the first offshore diver in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. And, you know, I joke that like for the pilot, I needed to put on a parachute when I was talking to her. For the diver, I had to wear a breathing apparatus. <laughs> I just, I really did at times find myself holding, you know, holding my breath. <laughs> so the short answer is, is no. <laughs> No, I, I understand it's not for everyone. It's not. Yeah. I enjoy writing about it and, and sharing the stories of the women and, and men who are brave enough to do it. I am not one of them. <laughs> well, I appreciate that you wrote this book. It's full of role models and great stories. What kind of feedback have you received? How do you think your book has influenced women in the industry? Well, I don't know that it's influenced women. I mean, I hope that it has, and I hope that it's influenced men too. <laughs> and I hope that it's 
made younger people aware of these careers and the possibilities. The feedback's been good and positive, and I appreciate you know when people take the time to to let me know that they've read the book and were inspired by it. But you know, it's been interesting because some of the women maybe that were among the first to go offshore expressed a little bit of surprise that somebody would want to tell their story. And I, in turn, was surprised by their reactions. I'm like, yes, of course. I mean, we need to preserve these stories. We need to tell them for future generations and acknowledge the contributions that women have made to the industry. You know, some of these women hold patents. I mean, just really incredible stuff. But also, too, one of the things that I hope to achieve with the book is you know, here in the US and also in the UK and probably Australia too, you know, our oil and gas industry is pretty well developed, but we have countries that are just now making discoveries. And so I really hope that this book will encourage women in those places to realize that there is a place for them in the industry and that it's a potential career path. And to, I call it a virtual mentor you know <laughs> yeah because yeah there's still a lot of a lot of women and even you know even here in the US and wherever they may be that don't have mentors or have difficulty finding mentors and you know they usually can find a male mentor but there aren't a lot of of women mentors for them and so i hope this can kind of be a virtual mentor where they can see that yes other women have done it yes i can do it and this is maybe how I, how I get there, you know? So that's really my main hope for the book. Yeah. That's such an important point. When you're working offshore, you are physically isolated. And when you're the only woman out of a crew, you can be socially isolated as well. And sometimes people are afraid to talk with you and you question if you belong at all. And so having these role models at your fingertips even if it means the stories on on pages, it's, it's important and it can give you hope that, hey, I can have a long-term career. I do belong and you can better see yourself in the industry. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. So let's switch gears. Okay. To what you are doing now. <laughs> what is Oil Woman Magazine about? Okay. Well, Oil Woman Magazine is pretty new. We started it last year. And I was actually contacted at one point by a gentleman named Emmanuel Sullivan. And he's the publisher of All Man magazine. And he asked me to write a story for him. And I, you know, I was interested in doing it. And I kind of jokingly said, well, what about All Woman? And he told me it was something he had actually thought about. And, you know, I sort of left it at that because starting a magazine is not an easy feat. And, you know, contrary to what people think these days that anybody can get online and write, but you know, it's a lot more to it than that. As a and- blogger, I can just <laughs> imagine <laughs> it's a lot of work, I believe. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Putting the whole thing together, you know, a lot of moving parts. And so I didn't give it a whole lot of thought after that. But as time went on, I did start thinking that maybe I would like to do my own newsletter. And about that time, he came back to me and said, you know, I've been thinking about this and I'm ready to do it. And I, I was so shocked, you know, because we all know what 
last year was like. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. First of all, that he would want to do this and make a decision so quickly and that he would do it in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I have to give all credit to him and, you know, thank him for (laughs) being so brave and Absolutely. Talk about a man advocating for women. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so he is he is definitely the driving force behind it, the support behind it. And he has kind of given me free reign and I had, you know, lots of ideas and things that I found in the course of writing my book and just, you know, being a part of the industry myself, all these stories I wanted to tell. And I can assure you that having All Woman magazine is a much bigger and influential platform than I could have had putting out a newsletter myself. So I really appreciate the support that he's shown, not just to me, but to the whole concept and to women in the industry. So even though the name is Oil Woman and that that fell under his already established brand of Oil Man, because sometimes people don't, we've had a few people, not too many, but we have had a few people that say, well, you know, why is it called Oil Woman? And it was an already established brand. And if people haven't had their own business, they may not know that, you know, that was something he and I discussed, but people may not know that there are a lot of, you know, financial and legal considerations to establishing a brand and a name and starting a business. And so our thought was, if we want to get this up and running quickly, let's do it under the established brand. We can always change the name later. and. So again, I give him credit for that. And even though it's called Oil Woman, we cover all, you know, the whole spectrum of energy. We cover renewables and we cover utilities, which sometimes seem to get lost in the mix. Yeah. But what I have found and was surprised to find that there are quite a few female CEOs in the utility industry. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was great. And so we we have no shortage of stories for for that. <laughs> that department and that column. And um, then of course we do, we cover fossil fuels because we really believe that they're all going to, they're all part of the mix. You know, we need all forms of energy. Why is it important to have a magazine dedicated to women in oil and gas? I think it's important, Allie, because there isn't any one source dedicated to that right now. And of course, if you pick up any oil and gas magazine or journal, you will find a story or, or maybe a couple of stories about women, but there's nothing that's specifically dedicated to women in the energy industry. And one of the things that I found when I was giving talks uh, about my book before COVID, of course, <laughs> was how isolated women can feel and women and other minorities, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I felt like it was important to, to give them a space that focused on them and on other women. So they didn't feel so alone and so isolated. And, you know, judging from the feedback, they're very appreciative of that. And it's not, it isn't anything to do about men against women or, you know, separating the two or anything like that. Of course there's overlap. And we even have a column called honorary oil woman that profiles a man who's an ally and an advocate for women. And, None of them have objected to being called that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was kind of for fun, but it was serious too in that we we want to say, hey, here are the men who are making a difference for women in the industry. Yeah. 
that's why, you know, that's why I think it's important just because there wasn't something like that before. Sounds like you've had some really good support and good feedback from the industry and it's helping shape the publication. And it's it sounds like such a positive response. However, I know that it, yeah, it it's not been. always we've, positive. We've been really pleased. Yeah, right? Like running women offshore, we've had a mostly positive responses, but every now and then there's someone who doesn't view it as necessary to support women in the industry. Have you had any pushback against the gender side of the magazine? A little bit. And it's exactly like what you said. People say, well, why do we need that? And <laughs> again, I'm sorry to repeat myself or sound like a broken record, but it's because there isn't anything else like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, like I said, you can pick up any oil and gas magazine and you will find some stories about women, but it's almost kind of like the same gender imbalance that we find in the workforce. You know, if a magazine has a hundred pages, you might have 10 that talk about women and then the other 90 are about men, you know, maybe so, 10. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And so, and so it doesn't feel very inclusive, you know, and I think things are getting better. You do see more representation in terms of images, you know, photos and things like that. But just to have a woman in an ad doesn't, or on a, on a homepage or whatever of a company doesn't, you know, doesn't really tell her story and doesn't make, doesn't help other women see how she can get there, how she can get into the industry, how she can have a career and be successful. So I think it has to go. That's great. You know, that's great to have images and pictures and things like that, but it needs to go beyond that. It needs to be more inclusive and it doesn't always have to be 50-50, you know, but it, need, it needs to be better than what it is now. Right. It could be 75% women and 25% <laughs> men. Just throwing that out there. Well, yeah, in all women, it probably is 90-10, but, but the other way, you know, yeah. 90% women and, and that 10% men. We have a couple, obviously the publisher is a man. We have a couple of male writers and journalists on our staff or as freelancers. We don't exclude men by any stretch of the imagination, but we just, you know, feel like that, that these are stories that haven't been covered. So it's important for us to do that and to use our platform to do that. And we have a website and we have a newsletter and we have a digital edition and a limited run print edition of the magazine. So we're really trying to shine the spotlight on these women. That's great. In the show notes, we'll post links to the magazine as well as your book's website so people can learn more. Thank you. Looking to the future, what are you most excited about that you're working on? Oh, that's a tough question. (laughs) I'm really excited about the magazine, about the reception that it's gotten, because, you know, there might be a little bit of a perception that people don't read much anymore, but they do. Obviously, they do. We're all on our computers all the time. And, you know, I like the fact that we do have the different platforms. So if you're a person who wants to go to a website, we've got that. You know, if you like a digital edition, we've got that. And if you're like I am, you still want to hold a hard copy in your hand and turn the pages and maybe mark them or 
go back and reread his story, you know. So I feel like we have a little bit of something for everybody. And Emmanuel Sullivan, the publisher, is very tech savvy, which I am not. (laughs) So luckily we have him. And some of the stories are even presented in an audio format. So if you like doing that, you can listen to the stories or, you know, if you're busy or whatever the case may be, you're exercising and don't have time to to read it yourself or, or turn the pages or whatever, you can listen to it. So I think there's a little bit of something for everybody. And really, it's hard to pinpoint one thing that I'm excited about. I think it would just be the fact that the magazine is successful in a really tough environment right now. It's tough for everybody. It's tough for the energy industry, but it's a difficult time economically. And so I'm really excited just to see it grow and expand and to increase our support from the industry itself. Yeah, it's so exciting. Everything that you're putting together I have to say a big thank you to you and your staff at Oil Woman Magazine. And I love reading it. And I can't wait to see what comes out later this year. Is there anything else you would like to share with us? Well, just, you know, we can't be everywhere and know everything. And if people have stories that they think haven't been told yet or just something that's unique and different about them, we definitely want to hear about them. And they can go to the Oil Woman website, which is just our name, you know, www.oilwoman.com. And there's a, you know, a way to contact us there and, and let us know about these stories. And because I'm always thrilled when I hear about something that I had no idea about before, you know. So, we welcome, you know, the reader's input and contributions. So that would be great. Great. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. We're all in this together. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on the Women Offshore podcast. And thank you for everything you do for the industry and in highlighting women and, and elevating profiles. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, you know, allowing me to share those things with your audience. Before you go, here are some events on deck from my colleague Savannah at the Oil & Gas Global Network. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for August 2021. This month we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on August 26th. Our July happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the last one, we hope to see you there this month. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts, network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Other than OGGN's events, we have three in-person events and one hybrid in-person and online event. First up, we have our three in-person events, the first being OTC, or the Offshore Technology Conference, at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, from August 16th to the 19th. Next, we have the IPAA Leaders in Industry Luncheon at the Petroleum Club of Houston on August 17th. And lastly, we have the 2021 Connected Plant Conference at the Renaissance Hotel in Austin, Texas, from August 30th to September 2nd. Other than our three in-person events, we have our hybrid event, which is NAEP, or the North American Prospect Expo. Now this summit is a hybrid event because it's both online and in person. 
The in-person portion of the event will be from August 18th to the 20th at the George R. Brown Convention Center, while the online portion of the event is from August 9th to September 3rd. If you have any questions about these events or any podcasts within the Oil & Gas Global Network, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for August. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you.